Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Most Dangerous Mary. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. I have been really thinking about this particular episode and the subject matter for a long time, considering what we've been going through in 2020 and what we're going through right now and the parallels with them. So today I want to talk about the legendary and terrifying story of Typhoid Mary and her life and what it meant to medicine and science essentially things that we're living right now. So on September 23rd, 1869, Mary Mallon was born in Cookstown County, Tyrone in North Ireland. She was likely born with typhoid as her mother was infected during pregnancy. Then of course, the fun began. When she was 15, Mary came to the U.S. to live with her aunt and uncle working as a maid. At this point, we don't really know if her aunt and uncle was were subject to anything like that, like sickness or disease or any kind of symptoms of typhoid. In 1901, she went from maid to cook and then started cooking professionally, first in Mamaroneck, New York. Within two weeks of her employment, residents developed typhoid fever. Then in New York, she was hired by Henry Gisley, a rich lawyer. No members of Gisley's family were infected, but the help was infected from an undetermined source. Immediately after that outbreak, Mallon was hired by George Kessler, also a rich New Yorker guy. Two weeks later, Seven of the eight members of the Kessler family developed fevers and diarrhea, and the laundress in his household died. At this point, typhoid fever was kind of over its peak, but it was still really fatal in about 10% of cases and mainly affected people from large cities who lived in close proximity. This is why it was considered kind of a lower-class disease, which is why... When we think about typhoid Mary, we don't think about upper class. We think about, you know, tenements and and people in, you know, like cramped together. We think of oppressed classes and people without good hygiene. But really, the upper classes had really bad hygiene. And typhoid Mary herself, as we'll talk about later, just never washed her hands. So it spread fairly quickly wherever she went. Oyster Bay, Long Island, was a place where rich people had homes, they vacationed, it was incredibly moneyed, very elite. In 1906, Charles Henry Warren, a wealthy Park Avenue banker, rented a summer home in Oyster Bay with his family. In less than two months, six of the 11 people in the rental contracted typhoid fever. Mary was their cook. Typhoid was deemed very unusual in Oyster Bay, according to three medical doctors who practiced there. The owner of Warren's rental, knowing how hard it would be to rent out a house with a reputation of 
the fever hired several independent experts to find the source of the infection. They took water samples from pipes, faucets, toilets, all of which were tested negative for typhoid. But things quickly escalated. In the end of 1906, Malin was hired by Walter Bowen, whose family lived on Park Avenue. She went back to New York, promptly got the Bowens made sick in early 1907, and soon her old employer, Charles Warren's only daughter, got typhoid officially and died. Desperate, Warren hired George Soper, who was a sanitation expert who had been trying to determine the cause of typhoid in upper-class families and situations. He was a really kind of a, a character, very proactive, very outspoken about, you know, washing your hands and sanitizing meats and things like that. And again, at this point, I want to emphasize that, like, nobody really knew how bacteria was passed. There weren't medications that could combat these things in any kind of adequate way. It was kind of a dream situation for Soper. He was obsessed with figuring out how typhoid worked. He already discovered that a female Irish cook who fitted the physical description that he'd been given was involved in all of the outbreaks he was studying. He was unable to find her because she generally left pretty soon after an outbreak began, as one might, and didn't give any forward address. Soper then learned of an active outbreak in the Warren home and discovered Malin was the cook, and he set out to find her. He met up with her first in the kitchen of the Bowens and accused her of spreading the disease. Though Soper himself thought his behavior was, quote, as diplomatic as possible, it probably wasn't. He basically just, like, went over to Malin, a stranger, asking for urine, blood, and stool samples in the middle of her kitchen. And she probably got really pissed that some random guy was asking for feces in her workplace. And she, as reports say, refused to cooperate and threatened him with a carving fork. Soper left, but not discouraged, then compiled a five-year history of her employment. He found that of the eight families that had hired Malin as a cook, seven claimed to have contracted typhoid fever. Soper arranged another meeting at Malin's boyfriend's house. Malin again refused to cooperate, believing that typhoid was everywhere and that the outbreaks had happened because of a contaminated food and water situation in, I guess, all of her households. Now, I understand where she's coming from, where, like, to be kind of victimized or told that she is unsick or unwell. And again, this is an Irish immigrant who's just trying to work, trying to make money, trying to make a living in a foreign country. That would seem like really rude and offensive. And she kind of has this victimized air to a lot of this stuff that I read. But at the same time, you know, she was contaminating literally everyone she worked for. Soper published his findings on June 15, 1907 in the Journal of American Medical Association. He wrote, It was found that the family changed cooks on August 4th. This was about three weeks before the typhoid epidemic broke out. The new cook, Malin, remained in the family only a short time and left about three weeks after the outbreak occurred. Malin was described as an Irish woman about 40 years of age, tall, heavy, single. She seemed to be in perfect health. Soper notified the New York City Health Department, who realized that, and this was not, again, very well-known science at all, that Malin was a typhoid carrier, even though she didn't display any symptoms herself. She was arrested as a public health threat. She was picked up at her home, forced into an ambulance by five policemen and Dr. Josephine Baker, who was a fascinating person in her own right. But at this moment, she had to subdue Mary Mallon by sitting on her to restrain her. Mallon was taken to Willard Parker Hospital, where she was restrained again and forced to give samples. For four days, she was not allowed to get up and use the bathroom on her own. She was heavily, heavily restricted. But after testing her, they found massive numbers of typhoid bacteria in her stool samples, 
indicating that the infection center was in her gallbladder. Under questioning, Mallon admitted that she almost never washed her hands. Again, this is not unusual. Nobody really knew what germs were during the turn of the century or how they might actually kill you. But let's take a break for our own sanity and to sanitize and wash your hands if you need to, because we're in the modern age. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. This is where we check in. How is hello. it going? It's, it's The year's almost over. We're just careening towards 2021, thankfully. Is everyone feeling okay? Is everyone still doing their best? Or they're mediocreist? I'll take that too. You know, if you want to get cheered up, I was going to wait to <laughs> suggest this to you, Rebecca, and mm-hmm. you might find this hard to believe, but Uh-oh. if you're looking for something to watch that is enjoyable, it's not harsh and hateful, it's fun and light and surprisingly good, hmm. two television shows. I've never, I never do this, but I've- You never do this. I, I, I've been, you know, obviously looking at some pretty, I was listening to some very disturbing audio when I was mm-hmm. researching episodes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I have needed a palate cleanser. Uh-huh. But I'm going to recommend two television shows real Great. quick. First one, I mentioned to you before, Ted Lasso. Yes. Excellent show. It's on Apple TV mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, it was something where I was like, I don't want to see an obnoxious sports thing. I like Jason Sudeikis. Mm-hmm. He's fine. But I, just on site, I was like, I don't want to see something like this. It was so enjoyable, somewhat wholesome and edgy because it's mm-hmm. sort of a British show meets... I mean, something like modern comedy in yeah. that sense, like a very modern comedy, whatever, and, and on the British side and American side. And it was so surprisingly good. And a lot of people are like, this is good. And I was like, yeah, but I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. And as I'm saying it right now, but if you need something that's like kind of feel good, but it's not too base as far as like humor and it's not going to insult your intelligence. It's actually authentically funny, but it's nice mm-hmm. in that way that it's nice. Yeah. The next one might be a huge surprise to everyone, and I oh, wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it myself. Let's hear it. Human Centipede 4. It's so... <laughs> it's like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wish you weren't. It is close. You might have the same reaction. The new... I don't want to call it a reboot because it's not really a reboot, but Saved by the Bell. I've heard Saved by the Bell is very good. It's such a huge surprise how funny it is and how smart it is. Yes, there's you're going to get a little bit mm-hmm. of that thing, but it's so self-aware, which I think Beverly Hills 90210 kind of did a mm-hmm. little bit too surprisingly. And when I found out, oh, the person who created it was a 
Thirty Rock writer. Yeah, because Tracy Wingood. Yeah, Wingood? actually, I the other way back when when another friend of mine and I had a podcast, we interviewed her as our first episode. Tracy Wigfield. Wigfield, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she's great. She's so nice. It's so smart. It's a, like a combination of like Thirty Rock, Arrested Development, mm-hmm. and kind of like a lot of some of the sketch stuff. You know, like general sketch humor that we've all kind of, you and I and yeah. probably a lot of other people have kind of grown up in. You could tell it's somebody that was, you know, very familiar with that kind of UCB world and that kind of, and they make fun of improv a lot. Mm-hmm. But they are also, it's also very subversive. Mm. It's flat earth jokes, Nazi jokes. It's kidney stuff, it's, right? It's, That's- but you're looking at it, it looks like something that would be garbage. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a weird juxtaposition, but it is so funny. And it, there's also, yes, there's going to be some things. There's going to be some, like a little bit of some of the acting of mm-hmm. some parts are going to be a little iffy. And there's going to be some kind of like that thing that you expect. But with an 85% success rate, very funny, very enjoyable, and very self-aware. So if you're That's looking great. for another break, they're not paying us to say this. No, we're not getting um, paid by... Saved by the Bell. No. Incorporated. Big Peacock or whatever it yeah, is. Not, uh, exactly. not that I wouldn't take the money. I'll take the money. Yeah. If if the next time you hear us talking about something, we'll we're like, see. oh, this new Hallmark movie is yeah. so good. Uh, just in time for Christmas. Yeah. You'll you know, know we're, we're not we're getting, getting paid. paid when we don't say we're not getting paid. <laughs> yes. So you'll know. Check that out. Yeah. And- no. I, and that's the thing, too. Like, I was talking about Saved by the Bell myself because I haven't seen it and I'm so excited mm-hmm. to watch it. But the scope of reboots from being, like, utter mm-hmm. garbage to, like, really like innovative kind of like bigger than the sum of their parts like there's such a wide berth of that so you don't know like what you're like am I going to waste my time watching this or is it going to be amazing and exactly what I wanted from it but I'm so happy to hear that I have been watching Detroiters which is incredible which is old news and also uh, Murder on Middle Beach which I will do a some of my own theories and thoughts on it because I'm obsessed and by the time this comes out, the last episode will have been released, and it is like 10 years in the making. So I'm really excited to share my thoughts with that. On... That's light. Hmm? That, that's, that's very light, right? Oh, really light. Yeah, yeah. Light. yeah. Murder at Middle Beach, yeah, yeah. for sure. There's um, there's all kinds of really light things Whimsy. like like patricide and white-collar crimes and marketing. Yeah, but it's actually – it takes all these – like there's like – like Ponzi schemes in it too and like oh you're gonna love there's this one marketing scheme that I had never heard of and I was like what is this it's not podcasting is it no that's hey let's keep that on lock okay (laughs) also would you like to send money to us and then we're gonna send it to a friend it's gonna be a really fun holiday thing but it's got all of these different twists and turns which I didn't realize until I was into it and I'm gonna share that on the what tier are we, do we do? It's on the, the Alderman tier. Alderman tier. So it's Ghost Town Versus. Yes, Ghost Town Versus. And this is a, one that I'm really excited to talk about because I have a lot of thoughts. And I hope you do too. And we'll listen to it. But yeah, I just got back from a week and a half long road trip to visit my family and back. And I've also been listening to a ton of podcasts. I want to shout out to Noble Blood. I love that podcast. It's it's really fun. It's it touches on some of the stuff that we do on our podcast, but it's all about royal people or royal hoaxes. It's really fun. So listen to that if you like that stuff. So there's some suggestions in case mm-hmm. you're running out of after you've all of course listened to all Ghost Town episodes. Sure, yeah. Binge us first. And after you've gone to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Mm-hmm. And we'll hopefully have some bonus episodes soon. Rebecca just got back, so we will double up on that Hell soon. Yeah. But, you know, I always put in advance of Wednesday's episode, cuts out all the ads and mm-hmm. jibber jabber. 
You don't like that. We want to say, speaking of noble blood, Ooh. our government. That's right. Our you are civic our... leaders, our Brandon Gaddises. Hello. Right? Our Jeanette Links. Hello. Our Ashley Matsons. We love our you. Our Ben Forsythe. Uh-huh, you too. And our esteemed governor. Of course. Chris Witt. Of course. And thank you to anyone who's been a patron and patronizing. We yes. appreciate it. I don't know the word patronizing doesn't sound right, but... Let's patreonizing patreonizing i've been working on the my etsy store with my downtime <laughs> love it it's not i mean it's it's doing a lot of stuff but i've i've kind of gotten really into it and people seem to like it and it's a ghost of a chance mm-hmm. shop some really cool stuff it's free shipping 20 percent off not really making any money on it mm-hmm. but i like doing it because I'm, yeah. I'm creating or having designs creator creating designs if you like Shit's creek there's this one design that is selling like absolute crazy wait it is, it is the crows have eyes like it's a crows have eyes mock-up of mora of mora i also haven't watched that much shit's creek so i may have lost the joke yeah it's you might not have if you not if you didn't get to the crows have eyes then yeah, I'm but sorry. if you have gotten to it there's a couple of designs people really like and they're probably buying a lot of it because i just don't understand the val- what the value is so mm-hmm. i don't think i'm making any money on it, but I like doing it, so yes. it's fun. And yeah. you can find the link in the in the show notes as well as uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jason Horton for some mm-hmm. stuff that I've done. I did the Cecil Hotel episode, and I just put up – somebody was at the Beverly Hilton that I knew. won't say who because I know I'm get in trouble, but I had them film – the room, the outside of the room, the doorway where Whitney Houston died. Oh, yeah. So that is on our TikTok, which is Ghost Town Pod. Check it out. I think we're just mm-hmm. throwing some stuff at you, giving you some stuff to do, giving you some yeah. ideas. But let's get back into it. We have more contagion to discuss. So on March 19th, 1907, Malin was sentenced to quarantine on North Brother Island. While quarantined, she gave stool and urine samples three times per week. No one ever attempted to explain to her the significance of being a carrier, what that even meant, what it could mean to other people. Instead, they kind of pushed for her to remove her gallbladder, which she was not interested in because A, she still believed she didn't carry the disease, and B, at the time, gallbladder removal was a very dangerous thing that people could die for and had very easily. She also really didn't want to stop working as a cook because it was making her a lot of money. So she didn't want any part of what was happening. She just wanted to continue on her life infecting rich families willy-nilly all over New York. After the publication of Soper's article in the Journal of American Medical Association, Malin became a kind of strange celebrity and was given her famous nickname, Typhoid Mary. So this, the journal itself, like, didn't, wasn't like a widespread thing that people were like, oh, I read this medical journal. But the journal in the medical community caused a lot of commotion. That created a lot of journalistic interest. And that's where we get, if you've seen the famous photo of Typhoid Mary, it's her in a bed. She's kind of, she's in her late 20s and she looks really pissed and she's in like a row of beds she's not happy she's like very like strong irish like anger bubbling up inside of her and there's an, also a, an illustration of a typhoid mary like iconic representation of her that's uh like this large cook and she's on the stove and she's cooking and she's cooking up these little like tiny skull meatballs so those are really good and Again, fairly accurate portrayals of what she was and also what people thought her to be. But again, it's it's much more complicated than that. Soper also visited Malin in quarantine. You remember him. He wanted to write a book about her and share the royalties with her. She was not into that and locked herself in the bathroom until he left. 
She hated her nickname and wrote in a letter to her lawyer, I wonder how the said Dr. William H. Park would like to be insulted and put in a journal and call him or his wife Typhoid William Park. So she was really on the defensive, as you might be, again, being told that you're this contagious, that you're this like angel of death figure in you know, the the medical world and the public world. But also she was that. So it was the these two competing forces of like her being a danger and her being kind of this pariah, but also her being a danger and her not understanding like what she had and what she was doing to the people around her. In 1909, Mary Mallon tried to sue the New York Health Department for her treatment, but her complaint was denied and the case closed by the New York Supreme Court. In a letter to her lawyer, she complained that she was treated like, quote, a guinea pig. She was obliged to give samples for analysis three times a week. Again, for six months, she was not allowed to visit an eye doctor, even though her eyelid was paralyzed and she had to bandage it at night. I'm not sure why she would have to bandage it, but she had eye problems that she couldn't get seen, even though they were like all up on her for the typhoid. Again, through all this, Mary never thought she even could pass along typhoid. She didn't believe that she had it because she didn't believe she had symptoms and she didn't understand how it worked. With the help of a friend, she sent several samples to an independent New York laboratory. All came back negative of typhoid. On North Brother Island, almost a quarter of her analyses from March 1907 through June 1909 were also negative. After two years and 11 months of quarantine, Eugene H. Porter, the New York Commissioner of Health, decided that disease carriers should no longer be kept in isolation and that Malin could be freed if she agreed to stop working as a cook, A, and two, B, take steps to avoid transmitting typhoid to others. So we had this big like New York Commissioner of Health change. So with Porter coming in, they had all these different um, metrics of like how to deal with medical emergencies and medical dangers. So he was like, okay, we don't have to keep this person essentially imprisoned anymore, but she does have to do these things that seem pretty reasonable. After her release, Malin was given a job as a laundress, which paid less than cooking. And then she just decided to start cooking again. So she used fake surnames like Breshoff or Brown to not be discovered. She worked in a number of kitchens and restaurants, hotels and spa centers. Almost wherever she worked, there were outbreaks of typhoid, but she changed jobs so frequently nobody could trace it back to her. In 1915, Mallon started working at Sloan Hospital for Women in New York City. Soon 25 people were infected with typhoid and two of them died. The head obstetrician, Dr. Edward B. Cragen, called Soper and asked him to help with the investigation. Soper identified Malin from the servant's verbal descriptions and also by her handwriting. He was such an expert in typhoid Mary. Malin fled this job, but the police were able to find and arrest her when she took food to a friend on Long Island. She will not stop making and delivering food. She returned to quarantine on North Brother Island on March 27, 1915. And there she stayed for 23 years in a pretty nice looking private one-story cottage. As of 1918, she was allowed to take day trips to the mainland. She had dogs there. Not ever believing she could make people sick or quite knowing what she was being accused of, she always felt a ton of resentment up until the day she died. In a 1909 letter to a lawyer, she said she was a peep show for everybody. The medical staff and residents she wrote would see her and say, there she is, the kidnapped woman. In 1925, Dr. Alexandra Plavska came to the island for an internship organizing a lab. She hired Mary as the lab's technician. Malin washed bottles, did recordings, and prepared glasses for pathologists and lived pretty peacefully until she had a stroke in 1932 and died on November 11, 1938 of pneumonia. She was 69 years old. She was believed to have infected over 52 people, but 
Again, who knows? She was the first person in the United States identified as an asymptomatic carrier of a disease. By the time she died, New York health officials had identified more than 400 other healthy carriers of typhoid, though no other person was forcibly confined or victimized like Mary Mallon Typhoid Mary was. Pretty crazy, pretty relevant. The idea of contagion, the idea of how seriously we take it, if you have it, if you don't have it. And also just how much error there is, which certainly feels relevant within the government and how we deal with contagious disease. Also, I bet you didn't realize there is a Billy Joel connection in this episode. I had no idea. Oyster Bay, Long Island, in his song, The Ballad of Billy the Kid, Mm -hmm. Oyster Bay, Long Island is referenced in that song because Billy Joel is from Long Island. And we're putting the pieces together. If you've been listening, there's been Billy Joel references <laughs> or uh, us mentioning Billy Joel in several episodes and Rebecca being anti and pro. <laughs> that is absolutely not true. I want to state on record that I am very much into Billy Joel. Don't demonize me. Don't marry. Don't typhoid marry me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.